Hey, Simit, so excited to have you as a guest on the International Voice. Before I begin this episode, I'm going to share a little bit more about Sumit. He graduated with his bachelor's in electrical engineering from IIT Varnasi and then his MH in digital circuits from University of Lugano in Switzerland. Then he went on to do his PhD in electrical and computer engineering from Virginia Tech. So we both share that hooky culture with, with both of us. Uh, since then, he has worked at three Fortune 500 companies like Cisco Systems, Intel, and most recently as a senior architect at NVIDIA. Is there anything else you would like to add, Sumit? Uh, I think uh, it's a thank you for the uh, great introduction. Yeah. Sweet. So let's start off with uh, your time back in India. Um, before, when you were preparing for IIT, and uh, your engineering for bachelor's, a bachelor's degree in engineering. What was the preparation like? Were you always inclined towards um, engineering and tech? Let's let's share that with viewers. Sure. So yeah, I I have a little bit of an interesting background. Uh, from my father's side, I'm probably the only engineer in my family. So I come from a business family, a traditional business family in India where uh, uh, the word service uh, was interesting. Like it used to, I mean, in nowadays, like if you think, uh, it's kind of like uh, uh, very, very uh, incorrect way of thinking, but people used to say service is associated with serving. And people don't want to be servant who are in business society. And sort of like, uh, you can say that I was an outlier or whatever, uh, I was okay in studies, like I, I used to, to be topper of my uh, primary school and other stuff. And interestingly, I didn't know much about IITs until I entered 11th grade. And uh, but sort of like uh, I had a maternal uncle who was an engineer and I used to look at him and I was always kind of like attracted towards him. Uh, with the way he would discuss things and his technical depth. So kind of like around my 12th grade, I got to know about IIT. I didn't know about many other engineering companies. So once I was applying for IIT, I only applied for, at that time, there used to be three colleges. IIT, Turkey has now become IIT, Turkey. And there was another state, UP State College. I belong to the state of UP and city of Kandu. and. I knew about IIT because I'm from Kanpur and IIT Kanpur used to be kind of like in the news newspaper for one reason or the other. So that was uh, something like a motivation for me and uh, uh, electrical engineering because my uh, father's business was in uh, electrical. I Throughout my childhood, I have played with circuits. Uh, I, I mean... <laughs> For a 10 volt circuit, I, I gave it to 20 volt, volt uh, uh, circuitry and it blew. And that's how I learned about you know electronics and kind of like it was fascinating and uh, interesting experience. Yeah. But in terms of preparation, I would say I was lucky to get in IIT. I did preparation. Like I have been, I wouldn't deny that I am kind of like I've been a person who spends or like good amount of time in preparing for whatever he does but i didn't have like a goal from my childhood that i have to get into iit or something it was more like i have to become an engineer i want to see how technical looks like uh, i didn't like business 
and uh, I feel like I did the right thing. And now, uh, for my society, where like you know, uh, engineering or like service was not considered uh, a big thing, or like you know, it was not considered good. I have become a role model. Like people want to make their kids an engineer, or they want to send their kids to to study for higher studies. So that way, I feel like okay, I I mean, I I'm kind of like achieving that goal but yes like uh, going back to like studying or preparing for iit uh, lucky not much uh, preparation uh, yeah so kind of like nice that's, uh, that's thanks for sharing yeah thanks for sharing that and considering that you had that uh, business background from your your business family background and you going on to do a phd in itself is like <laughs> huge yeah. because because people considering that um, like you, you, you come in from a different background, and then achieving like the highest level of education that's available in engineering yeah. um, is is in itself is amazing because you would have to look up to yourself. You don't have you don't have anybody around you to really look up to, or specifically like in your family at least, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's that's pretty interesting. That's pretty yeah, interesting. yeah. I was lucky, like uh, in my college, like some of my seniors were uh, like the, the people whom I looked up to. They were. Uh, very interested in IR studies, and that's where the motivation comes. Uh, but since we're talking, like I have another story. Like uh, end of my undergrad, I had an offer from Infosys. Infosys used to be a very big company in India around that time. Like uh, people wanted to work for Infosys, and and I had another offer from ST Microelectronics. ST Microelectronics being core in my electronics area. And uh, then I had a master's offer, so I went to my father, telling that you know I don't want to uh, do a job, but I want to do higher studies. And then he was like, "Okay, why why do you really want to leave like a good job uh, which is you know well paying, and you want to do masters?" And uh, at that time, he could not appreciate that decision. But yeah, later on, like he realized and appreciated that. So you're right, like. Uh, I didn't have precedence for me, which helped and hurt it. Like uh, in many ways, I feel like certain places, if I would have gotten the guidance from, you know, somebody, uh, like if somebody's in the family or friends, it would have helped. But helped in the like, so so that's the hurting part. But helping part is like I feel like I'm self-made in the sense whatever I have achieved is is kind of like uh, based on my interests only. That is a big thing in itself that you making your own life path. So there can't be a bigger achievement than that. Except like bigger self confidence boost to yourself in your life can't be than you making your own life path. So that's pretty interesting. Getting back to that, um, how was your time in IIT like as an engineering yeah, so, student? Considering the fact that the best minds throughout the country come into IITs and then you're competing with them, there is a sense of competition stays inside of IITs as well. So how was your, how was the education system like, if you could shed some light? Sure. So, so in my first year, uh, I remember like my first semester, I used to cry in my room because uh, uh, I, I came from a Hindi medium background. So I never sort of like read anything in And once you go to a college like IIT where people are like generally coming from good English background, they can, you know, write their uh, papers and everything in English versus me who has to like sort of, sort of like struggle writing those and I could not even understand professors for the first month so I would sort of like come back I wouldn't share with 
like most of my friends and i would cry that you know probably i made the biggest mistake of my life coming here but thankfully you know like uh, college you find that that's probably one of the best time in my life like i found out so many friends who gave me strength who taught me who sort of like uh, created a path or like created a learning plan for me i learned from them um, i sort of like never took anything as competition and to be fair the culture inside the college was very relaxed it's it's kind of like opposite of one uh, what like probably people would think that it's like super competitive or what not it might be among like few people but i would say like 90% of the crowd was like that in fact i would say like 90% of the crowd in iit is like what we see in movies in some of uh, some of the bollywood movies like where you will see that like people have lot more fun than you know focusing on studies etc once it comes to you know preparing for exams preparing for jobs people were very focused but otherwise like it was just fun and uh, uh, sort of like uh, you know learning wise lot of good things to learn so yeah like no competitive or anything uh, very uh, i would say chill environment uh, my folk, i would consider myself more on a studious person side versus you know chill type but i kind of like it belong to something in between so i could do okay. any group and you know tell uh, tell well with people that's how that's science nice. like that. mm, that's yeah. nice that's nice and uh, from the same fact i actually was watching a interview of uh, lakshmi narayan mittal uh, yeah. he's a big business magnate uh, right, right. belonging from india and i was seeing the same thing that he before he joined saint xavier's college um, he belonged to like a hindi medium in a hindi medium background and then he instantly went into like surrounded by english speaking people and then just you are an example of a fact that anything can be achievable like regardless just keeping on improving keeping on practicing and then going into higher studies at like two of the biggest universities in english speaking countries and then now working in an english speaking country so anything can be achievable in a sense so that's yeah, that's pretty interesting i would say like there are many people like me just mm-hmm. that like because you are making an attempt uh, to sort of like bring this international voice i want to say that like we should not stereotype one second is like uh, it is difficult but it is achievable so like right. if hopefully if some aspiring international student sees this and if that is something which was like a you know mental block for somebody uh, i like i now i can tell you like personally i have seen hundreds of people like me but right, what you right, don't right. know there is like you know mental block so hopefully mm-hmm. yeah you know if i can make a difference in one person's life that probably the uh, the, mm-hmm. the the purpose of this interview is achieved correct and uh, basically the the medium is actually to break those stereotypes as you stated um there's nothing like bringing guests like you in a sense is breaking those stereotypes stereotypes and making making students believe that anything is achievable so so that's that certainly helps um so how tell me a story of like how and when did you start preparing for your ms or your masters how did you achieve that uh, you said you got the offer letter at the same time as you were also thinking about going for the jobs why why first of all why switzerland you started preparing did you prepare for other countries other uh, universities in other countries as well and how did that preparation start and like when did you, when did the mindset start again that's like a story here there is a story here uh, which uh, 
I mean, you guys wouldn't know, uh, it's around like 17 years back. So uh, essentially, like, the, so I I wanted to apply for masters uh, in US, uh, like most of the friends or like the uh, other colleges people do. Uh, what happened was, uh, uh, like, I was lucky enough. Like, I was one of the first few batches who were accepted as a foreign exchange student for internship in Spain. So my third year of engineering, I I visited uh, France and sort of like did my internship there. That was like a great exposure for me to you know come out of the country and you know be able to uh, meet researchers who are like uh, kind of like international level researchers and their uh, sort of like uh, get exposed to great research. Uh, but that time, uh, what happened was like the GRE pattern was changing. So it used to be a 2400 uh, marks exam and it became 1600 plus, uh, I think, writing, English writing or something like that. Uh, and there was a lot of confusion around, like around my time, uh, I was. Uh, Graduating around the time once internet was becoming more prevalent in colleges. So the news was not available that quickly. Like you guys can now check everything on your smartphone. We didn't have that facility. So there was super, like a lot of confusion. And uh, because of that, uh, I once sort of like I came back from my internship. So generally you apply for higher studies in December and sort of like you prepare for uh, GRE exam around September or October. So Generally, we used to take a date around August, September. That's where I came back from my internship. And then I started looking for uh, uh, a center where I can go and sort of like give my GRE exam. No center was available until next year, January or that. That is like I had no chance of, you know, applying to uh, US. So kind of like that was my story where then I realized that, okay, if I can't apply, I will lose like a year or two. And I wanted to you know, continue pursuing my master's. And <laughs> the place where uh, in France I went for internship, uh, the one of the professors, he was visiting uh, University of Lugano in Switzerland, and he he sort of like gave pretty rare reviews about the university. At that time, I think uh, my master's program was like second or third year of the of the university, like uh, providing this kind of like advanced learning uh, course in an embedded system, which was like a new domain at that time. So it was kind of like a risk, but an interesting opportunity because uh, not many people have thought about you know studying in Switzerland, and uh, the program was in English. Uh, once I looked into the professors who were coming to teach there, they were kind of like uh, uh, one of the best known around the Europe or US. So I was like, okay, uh, it is probably, you know, a blessing in disguise. So I kind of like took the opportunity and uh, uh, decided to do masters here. Yeah, I did have like few job offers, but uh, as I said, like uh, probably money doesn't attract me that much. <laughs> so I decided to, you know, go for masters versus sort of like uh, continue to, to work in the industry. Interesting, interesting. And what was uh, so you when you came to you know, New Zealand, uh, Switzerland? How were the first few months like in Switzerland? Was there any yeah. sort of culture shock? It was so. Uh, although the program was in English, 
but uh, Lugano is Italian speaking part of Switzerland and most of the people would speak Switzerland, uh, uh, Italian language. Uh, in Switzerland, people speak French, German or Italian depending upon where you, you, you live. So uh, although they, college is fine, but day-to-day -day life, you know, uh, learning a new language, uh, thankfully there also like a lot of my friends, they were uh, European folks and they were they were really helpful. So uh, initially it was a culture shock, but then the kind of experience I got, it is very hard to get anywhere else. Like, uh, uh, I mean, uh, we can talk about later about like my PhD experience, but uh, generally I have seen that uh, we tend to like as an international student, we tend to create a group with people from India or like the same subcontinent. However, there I had no choice. So I ended up like making a lot of European friends. I got to learn a lot about European culture. I sort of like got to think about things from their viewpoint, which is, I think, which is an asset. Like you sort of like until you are forced, you wouldn't think about such things. Right, right. And uh, if you had to compare from that period of time, uh, how was the education? Like what was the difference between the education that you received in IIT and in Switzerland? Yeah, so uh, the IIT uh, education is uh, kind of like uh, more generic. Uh, I think uh, that's something which is improving now in India. But we have like this culture of, you know, uh, you have like main exams and some midterms. You have to remember many things and sort of like just prepare for the exam and then you forget. So, uh, I mean, of course, there were good professors, but somehow I feel like the motivation to learn was not there. Most motivation to score was there, but motivation to learn was not there. I think first time in my master's, I got introduced to that concept that uh, learning is more important than scoring. So I would say like uh, probably I got the lowest score in my uh, whole education in my master's, but probably I got the highest learning there because uh, my focus was like less on, you know, uh, getting, you know, top marks in each course versus the sort of like try to understand and uh, keep that knowledge for long term. So uh, that, that is like the biggest difference I would say I, I, I saw in my master's and undergrad. That that pretty much sums up, right? The trying to trying to learn as compared to trying to learn to like try to kind of like just uh, the Indian education system in a sense is very like scoring based. So you have to remember a lot of things. So you you pointed it out perfectly. So that's amazing. And um, so once you graduated in your master from your masters from Switzerland, what was your plan like? Were you planning to stay in academia and PhD? What was the plan yeah. uh, that you moved to America, applied to universities in America, like Virginia Tech, where, where I'm studying right now? Uh, yeah. What were you looking for job opportunities in Switzerland? Were there any good job opportunities? Yes. And what would be your suggestion based on that? Like, is Switzerland is an attractive option for international students to to consider for higher education? Yeah. So, um, like, now with this much experience, I can say that we should not... Uh, like the education should not be for job it should be for you know learning and uh, like if you want to get a job uh, probably even graduate studies are not required like you probably if you 
after your undergrad, if you join a company, you might be better off in like in so in the sense of like you know how society perceives somebody is successful. So uh, like I yeah, but uh, to answer your question, like after my masters, uh, it was pretty expensive. Thankfully, I I was like my scholarship was paid. Uh, but I realized that students are generally happier, but they are poor. So I, I wanted to, you know, like see, enjoy, you know, like make some money or whatnot. Um, I almost had an offer in Switzerland, but Switzerland, you know, is at that time at least was more focused on banking. And uh, that was not something uh, where I thought like probably I can spend long amount of time or uh, uh, like where I will feel satisfied. So <coughs> uh, I I didn't pursue work further working in Europe. I had a, a job offer from a startup at that time, and uh, they had like an interesting job for me where uh, it was a startup, and I was like a young person. So they gave me like whole uh, kind of like application during or technical marketing support for Asia. Like uh, initially to start with, I was like working in Noida office, but then. That role expanded, and I uh, sort of like supported uh, people in Japan and Korea. So that was an experience which I got through the startup. But um, so I sort of like took that job. That was kind of like something which I feel like that gave me like a very different or uh, distinct experience. Uh, but for working for two years after that, I realized that I don't like traveling jobs. So in my that like that particular job, I would probably be traveling like a week in a month. Uh, that is initially, you know, very it's it's very attractive. But after a year, I realized that I was exhausted traveling and you know, uh, going to customer sites, etc. And I got a sense like this is not something for me. I am more like a person who would uh, spend more time you know reading about certain things or exploring about certain things so that was my motivation and then i decided okay i want to give it a try and do phd and see where life takes me uh, in that sense like probably as i have been saying from the start i didn't decide much for me that i want to become this after 20 years or whatever i generally like uh, see in my current context like what is something which I want to do, and I try to pursue those. And uh, like sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. But that's generally how I see. So, so going for PhD essentially, uh, like I didn't try to change jobs because I thought like that exposure I had in that company was pretty good. Uh, but I wanted to you know pursue more uh, on going in further into like specific areas which were sort of like interesting for me around that time and I decided for PhD. I was lucky because while I was applying, I sort of like was contacted by Professor Sateep Shukla. He used to be in Virginia Tech at that time and sort of like I finished my PhD with him. And uh, yeah, I can sort of like talk about those details if you want later. So yeah, that was more like the transition from undergrad to master's to some little bit of job and then uh, start and how uh, so so two things how did uh, professor satish uh, contacted you or find found you right and another thing how did you shortlist how should a potential uh, phd student a prospective phd student should really shortlist universities in the united states 
for his focus area what was your mindset regarding that and what is your suggestion regarding that yeah so the so i wanted to be at that time like i was very uh, much into researching about you know low power and uh, like my uh, my startup was in low power area like uh, eda electronic design automation so and because like it was the area where a lot of research was going on so that's where i thought okay i want to you know further spend uh, time researching um, uh, like professor sandeep shukla was one of the professors there were like i would say like i shortlisted around 15 to 20 universities where i found relevant work and then uh, to apply probably i applied to eight or 10 and i got admitted from three or four but the reason why i wanted to work with professor shukla was uh, one uh, he was one of very few professors who was he was selecting students he really called me in india and he wanted to check my interest so i didn't see that kind of like you know interest being taken by a professor to hire students and he could see that i have like background in industry and how i could be useful for the research he wanted me to be to do and Uh, my sort of like aspirations so that was one second reason for me like at least somebody told me which i uh, sometimes uh, feel like probably was the right thing to do is that uh, like once some uh, you should sort of like work with a professor who is sort of like working towards his tenure because generally they have like lot more aspiration to focus on more research and you know get funding and Hire more students, and they are generally a lot more motivated. The professor who have uh, who are tenured, they uh, they tend to focus more on teaching. Sometimes it is true, sometimes it is not. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say like this is always true. Uh, you will always find sort of like exception, but uh, generally like those younger professors, they tend to spend more time with students, and you want to be like in that situation because be able to get like time from your advisor and. Uh, more focused learning from directly learning from your advisor is is like hard to get. So uh, I mean they, that was my main decision to sort of like come to Virginia Tech, uh, and they turned out to be true. Like uh, like I, in fact, there was a time for a year or two I would go uh, lunch, <laughs> uh, coffee, and dinner with my advisor, and sort of like we had lot of interesting. discussions and learnings uh, throughout the process i mean i can't just forget those days the almost been almost like 10 years and then um, it definitely is a learning point for me as well in a sense as you said that for a phd you would want to work with an assistant professor or a professor who's working towards his tenure in a sense because if there is more more kind of motivation to get that tenure position as well and as well as do something exciting do something right. innovative and push students and always motivate students as compared to like i had a different misconception regarding that like working with a tenured professor would be better but but like that actually that I, that mindset i can actually relate to what you're trying to relay so that's that's an interesting concept um another thing so is, did you did you write down sandeep professor sandeep shukla's name in your application is that how he found you uh so i don't remember off the top of my head like if i write, write down his name but i uh, from my uh, statement of purpose it was very clear that in depart like in ece department in virginia tech there will be only two three professors who would be interested in hiring me because you know once you are sort of like applying towards phd you are already 
working on very very specific things. So, uh, like, uh, yes, uh, professors can hire people uh, from different backgrounds, but if they are getting somebody who has specific background, they tend to choose. So, in that sense, like my, uh, I I personally wouldn't recommend like writing down a professor because a uh, lot of professors have similar interests. So, uh, kind of like it is. It's good to keep your application specific to an interest versus mm -hmm. to a person. Interesting. So you already had a professor, a research advisor before you come to Virginia Tech, right? Uh, sorry? Did you already had a research advisor before you came to Virginia Tech? Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I already had research assistantship under uh, Dr. Shukla. Uh, I already had done masters, so sort of like, you know, uh, my uh, and my sort of like master's was was from Europe, so there was no issue in terms of you know, uh, transferring credits and other stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so I was more like a researcher in that sense, and uh, like uh, the, the work was in some sense like uh, defined, like domain was defined, but you you don't know what you would be working. Right, and uh, so so th th there's an interesting thing. So you worked as an engineer for two years right after your master's and then went back into research and then you're back into the industry right so yeah. there's a thing that you wanted to do research some exciting stuff and then you're back in the industry so tell me about like your time in the in the like as a phd student because i would assume at that period of time you were you thinking about going into academia and continuing cutting edge research or um, well, what was the process of were you right. thinking about uh, a job in the industry because you did internships as well as a PhD student. So can you right. share something? What was yeah. your mindset at that time? Right. So uh, because I had uh, industry background um, and my research was power in power and power was at around that time hot topic. So I used to get generally like some uh, internship offers in industry like uh, one internship while I was in PhD, I got it from Intel. A couple of internships I got from a company called Cibatech. It was a startup around that time. And actually, uh, uh, like a lot of my, in fact, they sponsored my research as well for a year or so uh, because of our interaction in internship. So, like, my research uh, eventually became more relevant for industry than academia. That is how I would put it. Of course, it was research, so I was sort of like exploring new ideas, but uh, it was not very theoretical research. So uh, it required, you know, uh, proving your concepts sometimes, like which is more useful from industrial application point of view. So kind of like I, I needed to marry some some of my ideas with uh, uh, industry and sort of like you know be able to. Uh, Prove that it really works in those kind of systems. So uh, it might be because I had worked up in the in the past and like some exposure of academia and mix of you know industry and academia sort of like motivated me to uh, remain industry in industry and sort of like you know pursue other things. Uh, one other reason is that uh, like I uh, I'm not somebody I'm in that sense like little fickle minded. So uh, I, I I started my undergrad in electrical engineering, which is not like electronics, but I used to love electronics. So in my master's and PhD, I moved myself towards uh, electronics. And now in last seven, eight years, I have completely transformed myself and I 
kind of like I have moved to something different. So uh, that's something which I love to do. I enjoy to do. So until my ears are not grey, I would probably keep. Like I really want to, you know, keep reinventing myself and try new things. Uh, it, it has a, a sort of like pros and cons, but uh, it is like personal choice. So, uh, so yeah. So like even though I sort of like did PhD and I had academic inclination, I uh, found that okay, I was feeling more excited to join uh, industry. There were like some great opportunities around that time in Cisco, which were relevant to what I did in my PhD. Unfortunately, like I joined Cisco and after a year, those efforts sort of like didn't pan out. And that's where I moved to Intel Research for three or four years. And uh, there again, I was sort of like working as a researcher then, you know, doing uh, uh, like formal engineering job. But uh, during Intel, I realized that uh, like if you have to survive in industry, you have to have like uh, a great skill set on day-to-day -day job related stuff. So uh, that's where my once I was transitioning to NVIDIA, I kind of like took a job which is more like a traditional job for an electronics engineer, and I I feel like uh, I did the right thing because uh, uh, like now uh, what sort of like. Uh, NVIDIA is doing as a company for the society or the kind of things we are doing, I would not be able to, you know, cope up with that pace if I sort of like didn't decide to change my gears and learn new things. Interesting. So you kept on evolving and at each stage <laughs> of your life and each stage of the company or industry and PhD, you kept on evolving, right? Evolving yourself. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Do you have any suggestions for uh, PhD students who are in a dilemma of uh, whether they should go for an academia. They're probably in a third year and they are in a dilemma whether they should go for an academia job or whether they should go for an industry. What would be your suggestion for them uh, in terms of what they should be focusing on in order to decide that, yeah. right? What internship would be a good um, yeah. kind of trial for that? Like uh, if you yeah. could like whatever, whatever suggestions you have. So I generally say like follow your heart. I have been that person that uh, like, uh, I don't worry that much about, you know, uh, what will happen in future or is it sort of like going to make my, uh, going to make my CV look good and other stuff. I generally try to follow my heart, but I think uh, internship is one great way of getting exposure to industry. Um, other thing is like, uh, uh, kind of like what suits you. So some people, once they are in their PhD program, they exactly know, and I mean, like I have seen some some such uh, people, and uh, I can say that like they should definitely go to academy or research labs because uh, they they would do great there. There are some people you would see that uh, uh, kind of like wanted to, and you know, once you are young, uh, you sort of like, and you you can't just decide what you would do next 30, 40 years in your life, right? So, so you want to explore, and I would say like PhD program is like that. Like you want to do some research. Uh, most of the PhDs generally fail in the sense that like, if you see uh, uh, out of 10 or 15 research papers, one research paper can make impact. But if we didn't do that research, those 14 failures were not seen. 15 will not be successful. So. So if you're part of that PhD, don't feel bad. 
it's all about you know learning. It's all about uh, applying, uh, uh, doing problem solving, and things like that. So, so don't go with that mindset. That okay. I mean, you should aspire. Everybody should aspire to get like uh, great work out of uh, done out of the PhD. But if your experiments fail, it is a learning. It is a learning for the society. It is a learning for you. And same thing with once you come out of PhD, like. Uh, unless you feel like it's it's almost like marrying, like if you feel like I want to marry with the, this person or this area, for sure do. But if you don't feel that motivated to marry, it is okay to you know explore more things, and you would know what your uh, base is or what your uh, sort of like uh, home home ground is, and you will eventually come back to that. So uh, that's my take. By any means, it is not exhaustive. People are different, so. And that's that certainly explains in a sense like a uh, way that you said that it's some marrying an area because there are ups and downs you are doing a phd sometimes you're going to get results right away and sometimes you're not going to re- get results for weeks and even months right so that's that's pretty interesting what what there must be a lot of stressful periods during your phd right how what kept you going and what kept you motivated during that period of time yeah so uh, like first year of my phd so my lab had a a reputation of producing like good quality and many papers and first year of my phd i had zero papers so i i remember like I, it was quite stressful for me uh, looking back i think that was not the right thing to do like again it's almost similar to the analogy i was giving like you should not focus on grades you should put more on learning. of course you have to get barely min- like bare minimum or like a grade which is respectable but not like always try to get highest grade so I think uh, that was one thing uh, which was very stressful for me that I didn't have initially as many papers and I was like it was taking me some time to figure out what I will do and what will be my PhD topic. But uh, yeah, so that's that. Those things were very stressful. But at the same time, looking back, I feel like I should not have stressed on those things. Like finally, at the end of my PhD, I had twenty plus papers, but Uh, but I should sort of like ha- would have focused more on you know if I had like eight or ten papers that would have been fine as well but uh, uh, like few th- other things I would have achieved so it's it's like uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty but uh, uh, kind of like if I fast forward I would say uh, don't stress on those things it is difficult but try to focus as much you can on learning and that always pays in long run. Interesting. And can you explain for PhD students who are trying to find jobs in the industry, what what difficulties did you f- find while finding a job? You did internships, so I'm pretty sure you had some some kind of like a backup option, whether it's at Intel or whether it's at the the startup that you worked at. But um, did you also face any failures when you were trying to find industry job right after your PhD? Did you face any stereotypes? Uh, do you have any suggestions yeah. for the same? Yeah. So, so there are stereotypes. Like sometimes, uh, I remember I wouldn't name the name of the company, but uh, they called me for interview. I did well, but then uh, eventually, during the time of hiring, they said that you are overqualified uh, for this job, uh, and that can happen. Uh, although, while after working so many years, I don't see things that way anymore, and I do know that my colleagues don't see things that way. And uh, uh, one thing I definitely want to tell any 
PhD, student or PhD person who is doing PhD and wants to come in industry. Uh, the advantage of PhD helps you for a year or two in industry. After that, it is really like your skill set that sort of like will help you in uh, sort of like uh, doing better in industry. So uh, one would see that uh, even if you have done PhD, that doesn't mean that you always have like a big advantage. You have to really work hard and uh, at least uh, sitting here in the area, I can see that people are so motivated. At, at some point, it doesn't matter like what background you have. Like sometimes uh, I still feel like there are so many people who didn't have like formal higher education, but they know their stuff so well that it is always like enlightening and sort of like you always tend to learn so much from those people. So, uh, uh, like, like studying the masters or PhD is a is nowhere like you know a means to an end that you you will get job for sure or you will get this kind of job for sure. It's more like you know uh, gaining some perspective, gaining some something which hopefully you can utilize in your life in future, whether it is academia or industry. There are like pros and cons for each approach. Interesting. And uh, when you when you already had worked for four years after your graduation, right after your PhD graduation, you worked at Cisco and you worked at Intel, and then you moved out to Nvidia. How was that transition from Intel to Nvidia? Considering you already worked for quite a while um, after masters, PhD, uh, and then after PhD during your PhD as an intern, um, what, what? How was that transition? How difficult is that transition when you've already worked? Um, for quite it's a while. actually pretty easy. Like uh, okay. you will see that uh, uh, the way I see is, tell people is that like uh, there are uh, two capitals you make once you work. Uh, one is your uh, uh, your real capital or money you make out of working, and other is your connections or you know uh, the people with the, your social capital. Uh, like if you are generally a person with people who like to work and you want to do a good job at what you do, it's not very difficult, especially in the area, to find another job. Especially, you know, sometimes uh, uh, circumstances are not favorable. Like it may be, you know, there are sometimes reorgs going on inside those big companies, your managers are uh, no more the same person, or, or uh, you are sort of like uh, working on certain things which don't like you, you don't like it anymore and you have spent like quite some time there and you still feel stuck. So that way uh, kind of like uh, sitting here at least in the area there are so many companies working on in similar domain. Uh, I like it was very easy transition for me like uh, one day I had to just decide that you know I'm sort of like getting old. Uh, I had a colleague with whom I have worked with in the past. He was working at Nvidia. I just sort of like had a phone conversation with him. He sort of like connected me to my manager there and or like manager. And interview process started and sort of like I, I got the job. Uh, around that time, like if I would have wanted, I would have got them offer from other companies as well. But uh, uh, because like the work was interesting or was quite related to what I was doing, so it was like very easy and meaningful transition for me. But I know, like uh, there are 
actually there are phd's from virginia tech i know who spent so much time uh, sort of like looking into for example electronic design automation electrical algorithms and other stuff and right now they are like a pure software engineer in google or facebook so they, they they could move that kind of transition as well and kind of like that is perfectly fine like people you know over time they learn few things they realize that uh, where they can you know use their uh, skills more uh, like in a manner where they sort of like can make more impact and that's perfectly fine thing to do as long as you feel like you get that uh, kind of like hype by uh, applying like learning new things or you know working in different companies etc so at least uh, i think that's another thing i would say like uh, if you are coming to industry come with come with very open mind uh, don't sort of like think that this is how job would look like sometimes you will get very bad surprises sometimes you get great surprises so just be ready have open mind like try to gain good skill and uh, if that is the case uh, hopefully you know like changing jobs or you know moving in Uh, up the ladder or down the ladder or remaining in the same ladder is kind of like up to you and each of the, those options have its pros and cons make sure that you need what you have written in your resume uh, there are not a lot of expectation once somebody is coming out of college uh, once you are hiring except for the fact that the person should be very good in fundamentals whatever it is like if you write that you are good in software then you should be good at it like if somebody is asking you to write algorithm or code you should have that proficiency or you should sort of like be proficient in algorithm if you write the same thing for hardware or some other skill you should be justify that so that's one um, second is that generally like this is uh, across the industry it is true but uh, in Nigeria it is especially true that there should be at least one or two things in your resume which stands out Like where you can say that okay, this is something I I see that this person is very good at. It could be you know some specific technology you have worked in. That generally that doesn't mean or that doesn't necessarily mean that you would have less chances to get a job if the job is generic. It kind of like shows that the person is given a task can achieve or can go in any lens to achieve that. So, so that sort of like is very important that there are few things which should stand out. Otherwise, like if I am resume, reading a resume of like ten people and all of them are saying that they have proficiency in whatever C, C, plus plus Java, Python, then how do you stand out? Mm-hmm. If I have to just look at some grades, I, I mean, grades are sometimes uh, luck related or related to you know just sort of like as I said, like. Uh, you probably are focusing more for getting grades than versus uh, learning. So you have to figure out one or two such things where you can say that my resume would stand out, and those are the things I would personally focus on. And like there are enough resources right now online, so uh, you can do some Google search and uh, see that like what people prefer. For experienced candidate, it is a different thing. I think uh, it matters like what kind of projects they have done uh, uh, like generally once we read somebody's uh, work we can figure out okay it was impactful or not or if it was not then we want to see that like inside that how much depth they sort of like uh, they could go in so 
there are different criteria based on like different kind of interesting thanks a lot for uh, such an insight and such such detail that you explained sumit um it was amazing having you uh, we need to wrap up um, and it was uh, like i thoroughly enjoyed the time that i spent with you today um are there any ending notes that you would like to share with the viewers yeah so uh, i would just say one thing like uh, i'm somebody who tried to follow the heart and i i wouldn't want to say that you know in, in the dictionary of people like what success defines as like i'm successful but i i sometimes feel that i'm not happier than people who are just going after money or position so uh, if you are studying follow the heart like focus on your studies try to you know uh, gain each and every moment out of your studies and once you go for work or academia make sure that you enjoy it like life in that sense is short so so try to follow your passion and uh try to sort of like go with what your heart says although it is not a work which is requires brain power that was a beautiful point somit and uh, that really wraps up wraps up the today's episode in a sense that uh doing what your heart says and being happy in the moment and living life to the fullest right and uh, that that itself just wraps up the episode and <laughs> you perfectly put it so i um, appreciate it um thank you so much somit thanks a lot for your precious time thank sure, you thank you thank you